Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Sarah Dusick, the co-founder and CEO of Under Canvas. She is now in the venture capital world, but had a very successful company she sold after bootstrapping it. It is a fascinating story uh, of drama and failure and storms in the desert and now how she approaches and invests in up-and-coming people within South Africa. Take a listen. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. Where are you, where are you today? Because you have an accent, so I'm curious to where you live. <laughs> uh, I'm actually in Cape Town in South Africa, but I am originally British. Nice. I'm sure you're enjoying some warm weather, at least I hope you are, as I look out at the gray skies. Yes, it's a beautiful summer's day here in Cape Town today. So I was really intrigued when um, your team sent through your information. Uh, I checked out Under Canvas, which is an incredible camping experience provider. And I would love to kind of have you go back to what gave you that idea. And for those listening, Sarah sold this company over a million dollars in 2018. So this is definitely an interview if you want to know how to learn and scale uh, to listen to. But what got you excited about providing camping experiences? Well, the like many businesses, um, Under Canvas was born out of a, a pain point for my husband and I and an inspiration from Montana, where he is from. And the, our pain point was um, a young man from Montana meets an English girl who has spent several years of her working life in Africa, um, but does not love roughing it. <laughs> and so my Montana rugged man who loves, who still loves to hunt fish and be out in the wilds, um, wanted his um, lovely, pristine English wife to be out in the wilds and she was not having it. And so uh, the idea crossed our minds from my time in Africa and the big, incredible wide open spaces in Montana. It was like, I wonder if the safari experience could be a good fit, because obviously the safari experience is all about sleeping out into the stores and being out in nature, but at the same time having incredible, comfortable beds, hot running water, nice showers, flushing toilets, beautiful food, this whole idea. And I was like, maybe this could be the good compromise between us. And so it was, it, that was the, the birth of Under Canvas, really, and the idea of could we recreate the African safari experience and, and allow it for us together to enjoy the great outdoors in the States. So I think you're, you bring a unique view or you brought a unique view to this, but this had to have been an extraordinary undertaking with regards to starting it, launching it, the costs involved. So how did you guys navigate that as you started the company? Yeah, it was wild. And we really had no idea how to build a hotel because really that's what Under Canvas is today. They're large scale tented resorts outside of national parks across the country. Um, and we were not hoteliers and had no, uh, had limited business experience. Um, both my husband and I had worked in the aid sector before. And so we worked for NGOs before going into business. So it was an enormous undertaking and we, we definitely learned everything the hard way. 
and we did not have a huge bank balance. In fact, we had a negative bank balance when we when we started with our business idea. So we were definitely not rolling in cash with like throwing lots of money at the problem. We had to figure out how to do almost everything ourselves. Um, but in some ways, that was part of the beauty of creating something really unique, having to be really thrifty with how you did it and how we did it. Um, and trying to recreate an experience that not only we would like, but someone else would like. But it was it was definitely rough. How long was it rough and how did you get funding um, to, to grow and scale it? Because I know it's not easy and then you're doing, you know, you're doing something that has so much of a physical asset. Whereas I feel like today the things that get funded are apps and platforms yes. and technology. Yes, I heard that a lot. I heard, we are not a tech company. We don't fund anything that's not a tech company. And I was like, yes, I'm creating a whole new industry. I am building the glamping industry in the United States. And they were like, yeah, you're not tech. It's not scalable. I was like, I know this is scalable and I know this is a thing. So it was pretty much rough my entire 10-year journey of of growing and scaling uh, and being the CEO of Under Canvas. So it was hard. And creating new things from scratch is hard and doing things that people have never done before is really challenging. And I heard no 99% of the time. People didn't believe me that I had a thing. People didn't believe that I could make money doing what we were doing. I didn't think I could scale and I did. And so it was, it was, I don't know that there was a time where it was ever not rough. (laughs) So (laughs) Um, I think that's a misconception amongst many entrepreneurs uh, that it that it doesn't that it's gets yes, easier. Yes, if you get to this point where you you know you suddenly hit the slipstream and then it's all easy and you know everything just works and you know, that really is a, a, a facade because you just hit more problems and you just you know when as you scale and you grow you just hit different challenges and so it it's never it, it I don't think it really ever becomes easy. Um, and anyone who thinks scaling and growing a multi-million dollar business is easy is, it's just, it's just not. Um, and anytime you're doing anything with, with people and building teams and and things that require cash and customers, there's, there's always complexity and there's always challenge and there's always figuring new things out. And my husband and I used to say, we do get, you do get lulls in between sort of the vertical climbs, um, but those lulls don't ever last very long because, you know, you, you, you summit one mountain and you realize, oh, there's a much bigger one behind it. And how are you going to climb that? And so that's, it's, it's a challenging journey, building something great. So what did you do when you got denied? How did you keep going? How did you fund it in, in an environment that's denying you? Yeah, I, I, I cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think... I think I, I, I still, uh, even now actually, which may, may surprise some people, but um, I'm still trying to do things today that, that people want to say no about and don't believe me that they're a thing. Um, even with, you know, a small amount of success under my belt, um, I still find hearing no from other people and people not believing me hard to bear. But I think um, having other people alongside you, my husband is my life partner and my business partner, and he's an amazing uh, cheerleader and encourager. And he can't do what I can do, but and I can't do what he can do. But when I 
hit rock bottom, he is very good at picking me up and, and saying, let's just tackle this problem in a different way. Let's, let's go at it from a different angle. Let's, let's think about how we do this differently. And um, that's been true recently in our, our new, bus, new business endeavors and with Under Canvas when we were thinking about, all right, so we're getting no from venture capitalists. So maybe that's not the right type of funding for us to go after. Maybe we've got to think more creatively about who the right financial partners might be for us and how could we structure a deal differently than, than you know, maybe a traditional venture deal. And so we, every time we heard a no, we had to get creative. And creativity is the outcome of no's in my, in my world, really. And actually, that is the best thing that could ever happen to a business, is that you can turn your negatives into very creative solutions and when you do that over and over and over again you can build something truly extraordinary i couldn't agree with you more um and i love that you know i think sometimes people view these barriers as like signs that it's a no um but that's that's the moment where you dig your heels and you're like all right time to get real creative and i think that's how we grew our business too we had to get creative because we didn't have money yes um to grow Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So at what point in your, uh, in your time doing this, did you go, like, when did it turn around? When did you go, okay, this is working. Now we can build this. And then to the acquisition. Yes. So we started in 2009. We didn't hit our, our, our sort of what we now call our hero product, which is under canvas as the world knows it today, where we've got large-scale resorts outside of um, national parks um, until 2012. So we were three years in with various different uh, versions of our our business model, um, none of which were particularly wildly successful. Um, 
none of which made any money. Um, and so it wasn't until 2012, so we're three years in with a huge amount of credit card debt and a huge amount of, of, of tents, not really a business model that was working. And so 2012, and how far into this when it wasn't working? Three years. Three, three years. years, okay. Yeah, three years. So it took us three years to figure out our magic formula, if you like. Um, and then we realized, okay, I think we've really got something with this idea and we could do more of this idea. We could refine this idea and we could, we could, this could work. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we doubled down, uh, on ourselves and our credit cards and, and friends and family, um, helped us navigate through those very stressful sort of early years and from there we didn't get any any institutional funding until 2017 so we went another five years oh my gosh oh my gosh just just on credit cards credit cards and we finally before 2017 we managed to find a local community bank that would give us a little bit of debt for buying equipment um, and who would accept that tents could be collateral. So <laughs> so it was really hard. It was really, really tough. Wow. That is so impressive that you went that long. And then in 2017, that's when you had the big exit or that was in 2018? 2018. Yeah. So that was fairly extraordinary, really. We took our first um, round of institutional capital and we took on board about $17 million that year. Um in 2017. And how did um, you convince that person? Like, okay, now, now well, by that now time, we'll get money. Yeah, by that time, um, we were obviously doing a fairly reasonable amount of revenue. Um, we had positive EBITDA. We had a very solid business plan. We were growing and scaling. And, you know, we had a great business model that we knew could be, could be really scaled. Um, and so by that point, it was much easier for someone to, to buy in. Um, and then we were starting to see competitors coming into the space. So that was really the impetus for we need to do more here um, and, and really, really figure out getting some cap- serious capital into the business. Um, and then, of course, 2018 um, rolled around and um, we were very sizable established business by that point with still lots of room for growing and scaling um but um but finally people taking us seriously that we were we were a thing did you ever have your pretty woman moment (laughs) (laughs) um to keep it really real the day we closed our our transaction um when i put the phone down on the transaction i burst into tears with all the emotion of you know it's done it's happened. I got it over the finish line. This is this is really unbelievable. And then I went home to celebrate. I have two boys and a husband, obviously. And uh, I went home that evening ready to celebrate. It was just before Christmas, ready to have the best Christmas of my lives, of our lives. And I had two children at home vomiting their guts up. And oh. we spent the next two weeks uh, with norovirus and it went through the whole family and extended family who came to visit for Christmas. And I think but there was, there was barely a day in those for next two weeks where somebody wasn't throwing up. Oh my um, goodness. So it was like, we'll just, we'll just keep this really real and uh, we'll go back to work after the Christmas holidays and carry on. 
Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Sometimes it's, yeah, I, as a mom of three, I often feel the want to celebrate kids are vomiting and diarrhea and uh, yes. there's nothing you can do about it. That's, that's your celebration. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like the universe saying, don't get ahead of yourself, lady. You know, exactly. Which exactly. Is, you know, you're, you're still a mom and nothing's changed. And, uh, that's it. That's this is your first job and uh, the most important job that you do. Totally. Um, so you sold the company and then you said, I'm not done working. I'm not retiring uh, into the sunset. You started Enigma Venture or you became a partner at Enigma Venture. So can yes. you explain a That's little right. bit how how that went and yes, what was your interest there? Yes. I mean, really, the 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 desire to start Enigma Ventures, which is a venture capital fund, um, came about because of my own frustrations of, of raising capital and how hard it was for me and realizing I I did not know, I didn't know how to play the game. I didn't know how it really worked. I, I learned along the way and figured it out, obviously, because I managed to sell my company. But I really realized that um, there was not a lot of people supporting early stage women and helping women a, get access to capital and B, um, position themselves well to be in the system and to be building and scaling and growing great companies. Mm-hmm. And so I really realized if, if this was going to happen for women, that more women who've had exits or have learned the system or have been in the system help other women get a seat at the table too. Um, because I fundamentally believe that if women have access to wealth and creating wealth, and our builders in society in terms of building, you know, the future for all of us, that that the world will look a very different place if women sit at the table uh, and women have leadership roles and responsibilities and lead us into the future. And so I realized, okay, this is what I've got to do next. And we've got to double down again and reinvest um, ourselves and our capital back into supporting other women to grow and scale Um, businesses. And with my previous uh, life in Africa, we realized that that potentially our our dollars and our effort and our time could go further by investing in female entrepreneurs in Africa. So that is what my day job now is. Um, I'm investing and uh, supporting female entrepreneurs to grow and scale their businesses. And you moved to Cape Town after being in the U.S. Yes, yes, <laughs> we did. We picked our family up and we uh, we came on down to Cape Town. Wow. Okay. So clearly, um, you've taken your experience, which probably forever changed you. Hearing all those no's. What are some of the incredible stories you can share in our nine minutes left, uh, or even one story? Um, <laughs> of women that ha- you've invested in that has changed their trajectory and their and their companies? Yeah, it's been super exciting. We started investing at the beginning of 2020, which was obviously the beginning of a very challenging period of time and very challenging for businesses to be doing business during the pandemic. But we realized, well, you know, if you can make it during a pandemic, you probably can make it. So let's try and make some good bets on some amazing women and and carry on and and see what we can do. So we've made 11 investments over the course of the last sort of 18, 18, 20 months. And um, I could 
wax lyrical about some of the amazing companies that we invested in. Um, two, two that spring to mind. Um, we have one incredible woman in Eswatini, which is a tiny country, used to be called Swaziland, that, that borders South Africa. And she has an incredible, sustainable, eco-friendly um, chili sauce company. It's also selling in the U.S., now. It's what is it? A jelly sauce? Oh, jelly sauce. Oh, chili sauce. Okay, okay. She's called Black Mamba. Um, and you can find her at blackmamba.com. And she is, uh, she has a farm to table approach where she's got local farm, local women growing her chilies. Her chilies are then manufactured into an amazingly incredible uh, chili sauce. And then she has this incredible brand that she's selling, um, selling her product under so that's her um literally changing thousands of people's lives every single day with a bottle of chili sauce and um we've got another amazing woman in zambia um creating a digital bank for unbanked people in uh southern africa focused on zambia first but beyond also and literally creating access to credit and opportunities for starting small businesses um, in Zambia, which has just also been incredible with seeing that grow. And um, she did, in her first year of business, she did over a million dollars of of revenue in her first year. Wow. So she's, and and just creating access to capital and, and putting capital into a space where no one else is, is putting capital, you know, typically reaching an unbanked person. So... It's really, really extraordinary um, opportunities and ability to drive impact and change and create access and opportunities for women in all sorts of different ways. I love it. That's so incredible. Are you prime? You know, as as my listeners are probably going to get excited and you'll get inundated with invest in me. Are are you primarily <laughs> focused in South Africa as far as funding? I'm um, in Southern Africa. So we will invest in women anywhere across Southern Africa. Yes. Wow. That's incredible. What an, what an amazing feat to go from where you were to now being able to affect and, you know, grow these companies in an often probably forgotten part of the world, I would say. It feels like an enormous privilege um, and an enormous learning curve all at the same time. So that's that's the beauty of entrepreneurship, really, and getting stuck in and deciding you're going to try and solve a problem. It's, you know, the joy and the challenge of learning new things and pioneering new pathways is is always hard, but it's always super fun at the same time. So what would you say was one of the most bleak moments in your career, whether it was under canvas or, you know, at Enigma and what did you do to get out of it or overcome it or or not? (laughs) There was a terrible incident uh, back in my under canvas days in our first year of operating our first camp um, in Yellowstone. And it was the year we finally thought this is it. We finally got the, you know, we think this is a thing. We think having tinted hotels like this, this could really work. We could, this could really be an amazing company. And of course, it was before we'd figured anything out. And we, we didn't have all our systems down and our product wasn't perfect. And, and it was, was, it was chaotic to say the least. And uh, in one afternoon, a huge storm rolled through 
um, West Yellowstone, where our camp was and still is today. And it knocked, it literally, I mean, it was like a hurricane came through. It wasn't that bad, obviously, but it was a massive storm. And it flattened the camp, it broke lots of poles, tents were down. It was just, it was carnage. It was awful. And I remember all, none of our guests were in the tent at the time. We had evacuated all our guests. Everyone was safe. But I remember coming out after the storm and just looking at everything and thinking, this is it. We're done. No one will ever stay with us ever again. The dream that we had, that we thought we'd finally, you know, this is going to be a thing. This is, it's over. There's no hope here whatsoever. And I, I just, I stood there and I looked at it and I cried and my husband wasn't there at the time. So I called my husband and said, we are, we are done. We, this is not going to work. This is over. It's finished. We can't, we can't possibly do this anymore. No one will stay with us. No one will trust us. And he said, okay, we're, we're, I'm, I'm done too. I'm ready to be done too. This is, this is really hard. Just, just take care of the kids and I'll, I'll come and we'll pack it all up and we'll be finished. And I turned, I said, okay, all right, it's over. I turned to an employee of mine and he said, it's not that bad. We can, we can actually, we can sort this out. We can, we can get back up from this. And I just looked wide eyed at him and said, there's, there's no way. It's just, it's not possible. And he said, sure, we can do it. We can definitely do this. And I was like, I don't think so. Anyway, he rallied our neighbors. He rallied our guests. He rallied me and said, look, let's start putting it all back together. We can do this. And by 11 o'clock that night, we had everyone back in their beds and uh, not one guest had a refund and everybody completely rallied through the experience and was happy and contented. And it was such a lesson for me because I was, I was looking for an out. I was exhausted. I was tired. This terrible thing had happened to us. And it was like, I, I could be done. This is, this is too much. This is too hard. And here's a really good excuse. And it was like, my team would not let me give up. And there are so many times in entrepreneurships where you do feel like you're done. It's over. One too many things happen and you just think, I can't handle this anymore. This is really too hard. And then some bright light of a moment or someone will stand alongside you and say, no, you can. You just have to keep getting up. And I, I think has been the biggest lesson over the last 15 years that I've been in business now with like things will come pandemics will come, terrible situations will come, recessions will come, horrible things will come at your business. It's just par for the course, but it's like, can you keep getting back up? And mm -hmm. can you get knocked down, but get back up again and get back up stronger? And in that scenario, we rebuilt our camp. We figured out how to um, look after our guests better we figured out how to strengthen the tents our tents now can hold up to 150 mile an hour winds and don't blow blown, don't get blown over in storms and so you know it, it made us better ultimately um but it was really hard at the time and and i think that's one of the key ingredients of a successful business do hard times do difficulties make you more creative and make you better and stronger um, and can you get back up after them because if you can you can succeed you can take on the world and you can do anything 
I love that you say that. I say that all the time. Sometimes I think I sound like a broken record. And even in my book, I say sometimes our success was just determined by the fact that we weren't better or smarter. We just got back up. Yes. You know, and, and other yes. people didn't. So that paved the way for us to take more market share. So I, yes. I love that you discovered that. It's been so nice to talk to you today. Thank you for coming on. I'm sorry about our technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> we persevered, can, Rebecca. We, got we did. We carried on. <laughs> um, where can people find out more about Enigma if they're in South, Southern South Africa? Am I getting that right? Yeah, anywhere okay. in Africa you can find us. Well, anywhere in the world you can find us. We're on enigmaventures.com and enigma with a Y, E-N-Y-G-M-A, enigmaventures.com. Head on over there and you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Bye. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.